As always, a big thank you to Mary Green for her music, her composition, Passing Places. You can find out more about Mary Green and her music at marygreen.com or pop onto my own website, bonnytours.com, and follow her story from there. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Passing Places. If you're a regular listener, I say every week, welcome back. And if you're new to Passing Places, it's my regular diary of my travels around Scotland, often by motorhome, but also by motorcycle and with some hill walking thrown in for good measure. Now, I hope you all enjoyed last week's episode, or what I meant to say, I hope you survived the deep and meaningful discussion about the independence referendum in Scotland. This week's episode is more of a dolly mixture show of uh, lots of different things I've been doing over the last seven or eight days. There's one very important topic which I'll keep to the end, which is about Culloden, the battlefield. And I think it's the anniversary of Culloden in the next week to ten days. I think from memory the 16th of April. And up near Inverness on Culloden Moor, a real controversy is in full swing. And it's around planning consent for private housing on the edge or in the battlefield of Culloden. So we'll cover that towards the end of the podcast and bear with me and we'll cover what I've been doing for the last week or so. I mentioned towards the end of last week's episode that I was heading down to London and I survived. I enjoyed my weekend, a long weekend, down via Bristol to a friend of mine who I produced this podcast for him in Bristol. And I ended up down in London and I met some amazing, fantastic people who are all involved in the art, the science, the madness of podcasting. A big thank you to Mike Russell and Isabella Russell who organised it. You can find out more about them at uh, musicradiocreative.com and you can find out more about the inaugural meeting of our group at podcastersuk.com. And one of the funny things about the evening down in London was the number of Kevins. You know, I used to be proud of my name as a kid. I looked it up in a book before the internet and it was an Irish name and it referred to dear birth. And uh, now everywhere I go, I meet Kevins. So there was one guy at the at the meeting and he was called Kelvin and I was quite envious. And he said to me in private that, Normally he dropped the L just to save all the inconvenience of the spelling and called himself Kevin. Well, I would quite like to add an L to my name and become a bit more distinctive. So it was a great weekend. Really, really good to meet all sorts of people from radio and from all sorts of walks of life who are either podcasting or about to podcast. And I'm really looking forward to the next one, which is in Birmingham in August. So thanks to everybody I met. If I didn't get a chance to speak to you, then I will do again soon. So I came back up on Sleazy Jet and one of the sad prices I had to pay was I put Skid into kennels for four or five nights and that was a big ask. I did try to find him a home, a family that would take him for maybe the duration And I phoned a company up locally who do dog boarding, dog fostering or whatever you call it. And they said to me, well, if it's midweek, it's three to four month waiting list. If it's a weekend, bank holiday, Christmas, you have to book a year, a year in advance. So if you're out there thinking of a business idea, 
and you like companions with four legs, think about dog boarding in your own home. A couple of dogs a night at 20 quid each. Sounds to me like a good plan. So I picked Skid Up from the kennels and I should have brought one of those high jump bars because I'm sure he broke the record in terms of how far, how high he could jump. And we came out of the boarding kennels and we headed up to Castle Campbell, which is an old ruin. Well, it says a ruin. It looks pretty good to me. It's uh, up the glen just behind the village of Dollar. And it was a wet, miserable afternoon. Went for a little walk and I'll definitely cover an episode about uh, walking in the Ockles, particularly through, uh, if you stop in Dollar and walk up through the glen up the burn, taking the castle and maybe taking one or two of the hills that are part of the Ockles. It's at the east end of the Ockle Hills. Really, really nice, fantastic location and a spectacular setting for a castle. Yet another example of the Duke of Argyle haunting me. I do love Argyle, but the Duke of Argyle seems to pop up so many times in my travels around Scotland. And that's another story that I'll cover another time. So that was earlier in the week. And then more recently, in the last day or two, I was over at one of my favourite haunts at the uh, Flanders Moss uh, National Nature Reserve. And I've mentioned it a few times in the podcast. So I just wanted to drop in a little bit of audio. And I'll let you hear that now. Well, you join me at one of my regular haunts, which is Flanders Moss, just outside Stirling. Come over here on a early Friday evening. And with the clock changing last weekend, it's definitely springtime. It won't be dark for another couple of hours. I've got my daughter with me, Caitlin, and there's a viewing platform here at Flanders Moss, which is couple of hundred yards away from where I am and she's up on the top with Skid. She's having a good look round so I'm on my second lap. It's only about a kilometre around the the boardwalks to walk around the whole uh, area. So I've got my little bench here I often come and sit on and I thought I'd do a little recording so. Yeah spring is in the air we're wondering if we'd see any Frog spawn, I think it's probably a little bit early in the season. But this is the time of year I start looking out when I'm on my travels for swallows arriving from Africa. And if you're anywhere near lochs or any of the known public hides for ospreys, it's around about late March, April, that the ospreys start to arrive for their breeding season in Scotland. The fields around the flat are full of lambs. So definitely springtime. Here are a few birds in the background here. There's a bit of a, a breeze. And we're using this little lavalier microphone. We'd thought going down to the Bannockburn visitor attraction, which is finally opened. And it's something like £11 for an adult and I can't remember £78 for a kid. Not cheap to get into the centre where they have these new audiovisual displays but you can still walk around the the monuments in the battlefield area free of charge and as usual there's the obligatory the obligatory cafe and here comes trouble it's hi skiddy boy well, how did you get on hey. how did you get on fine is it busy up there no 
Did you see anything? No, just you. Just me? Yeah. So this is you on lap three? Yeah. Good exercise for the dog. So that's one of my favourite little haunts to normally go on my own and just sit on that one bench and I've yet to meet anybody at Flanders Moss so I might have to evacuate and go somewhere else if I keep talking about it in the podcast but it's a great little location 10 minutes, 15 minutes from my home where I can go and just enjoy the peace and quiet and as I say I've no idea why it's so unfrequented by other people but I really do enjoy going over to Flanders Moss. And then today, before I took to the microphone, I was down in Glasgow and I dropped my daughter off and I'll give you a little bit of audio as I was uh, contemplating life in the universe in a park bench in the south side of Glasgow. And just replaying the audio before I let you hear it, I was conscious of a number of things, but... One of the things I want you to think about is Hansard is just the official record of what all our politicians uh, uh, say when they're in the Houses of Parliament. And I was also just thinking about how I am definitely becoming a grumpy old man. For some reason, Glasgow brings out the worst in me and I end up getting into a rant. So I really do like Glasgow. In my ideal world, I would have a flat in Glasgow a house in the south of France and a cottage somewhere on the northwest coast. So I really, really do like Glasgow, but for some reason each time I go there I get uh, caught up in the, the, the dark side or the bad side. It's either commuting or retail consumerism or the slave trade or some other thing that really annoys me. So apologies, but uh, let's have a listen to my little bit of audio uh, from today down in Glasgow. find me sitting on a park bench in the south side of Glasgow. I suppose normally if you find yourself in life ending up on a park bench it's not uh, an auspicious uh, sign. But I've just dropped my daughter Caitlin off at a, what young people call a sleepover and I thought I'd go for a walk. I'm in Maxwell Park which is in the south side of Glasgow in a place called Pollock Shields. And I just thought I'd uh, sit down on a bench for a minute or two, because the rain's off. And uh, tell you a little bit about uh, where I am. I was just reading the sign as I came into the park, and I'm reminded of the couple of things. The Commonwealth Games are coming up at the end of July into August. And the Commonwealth is the, I suppose, the, the modern leftovers of some of the British Empire. So the Commonwealth Games have been held in Glasgow. And I was just here the other day that one of the plans, the, the Red Road flats, which are multi-storey flats that were built in the 60s, a dreadful type of housing is going to be demolished as part of the opening ceremony or something, which sounds a really odd thing to do. There was eight of these multi-storey flats. I think they were maybe 30 storeys tall. And they turned into dreadful places to live for the tenants and I think two or three of them have been demolished already, there's still five left and they've come up with this master plan to 
demolish them live and send it on the big screens over to Celtic Park or Hamden Park, wherever the, the main crowd is going to be gathering during the opening ceremony. And I just thought it was a really insensitive thing to do. There was four or five thousand people lived in those flats. So you can imagine the number of uh, good times and bad times, whether it was marriages or births or opening Christmas presents, whatever. These places were people's homes. And whilst there was controversy from even the planning stage because they wanted to build them using a, a steel building uh, construction which had real risks in terms of fire. You've probably seen the, well you know about the tragedy of the Twin Towers and 9-11. So in order to protect against the structural risks associated with fire, these buildings were completely clad in asbestos. And it meant the residents weren't allowed to put nails into the walls or anything. But anyway, long story short is they've been an eyesore in the city for many years and it's good they're finally coming down. But I just felt in terms of sensitivity to people who had memories both good and bad, no matter where you live, it's your home. And people particularly in adversity have a lot of personal um, pride at times and where they live and they have their own self-respect and it just seems wrong, I think, to make a spectacle out of pulling these buildings down. I can't manage for any reason why you would want to completely bomb Bitlockery to bits or Kirkubri down in Dumfries and Galloway or Lockerbie or any of these small towns in Scotland but they're of a similar size, a few thousand people. Say four or five thousand people lived in the Red Road Flats and there's a lots of stories to be told, but I mean, I was born in a, in a flat in Dumbarton, and I was just uh, checking today that uh, that was one of the few flats that wasn't demolished when they built, or rebuilt, regenerated that part of the town. So if I did want to pop up there and see if they've put a plaque up yet, <laughs> I could do that. But I would have some sense of sadness when they do pull it down. So to publicly put... Uh, on TV screens to millions across the world, the destruction of people's homes. I just find that really odd. So that's my little... I usually have a rant when I come to Glasgow. But uh, I'm mentioning also the Commonwealth Games because of what I was just reading in the the um, signage as I came into Maxwell Park and I was reminded of the episode I did about uh, the slave trade when I was up in Dumbarton Castle. And Maxwell Park is was gifted to the people, if you like. It was one of these philanthropic gestures by the the Stirling Maxwell family. And they also built or provided the funds for a, a borough hall, which is, I can just see over to my right, it's a sandstone building, which is now used by the local community. In fact, I think there's a wedding ceremony going on over there just now. But one of the darker sides of Glasgow is this whole... Um, part that Scotland played, Glasgow in particular, in the slave trade. And it just came to my mind because of the Commonwealth Games, because Jamaica and many of the Commonwealth countries will be represented, and they were where Glasgow's wealth was generated. And the Stirling Maxwell family, uh, their fortune was made on the back of exploitation of black Africans who were 
exported in ships to Jamaica and in turn the traders then made their money from the sugar plantations and rum that resulted and that went on for hundreds of years and it took Britain far far too long to finally legislate against slavery but the Sir John Stirling Maxwell was the chap who is mentioned on the plaque as you come into the the park and he he was the last of the, the slave plantation owners and he finally sold the plantations in Jamaica in the 1850s. Now that was because the final emancipation of black slaves had happened uh, during that period and the plantations were no longer profitable. So whilst Glasgow history has managed to airbrush out the slave trade, these guys who were running the politics at the time, they were all MPs in, the, uh, in Westminster and they were involved in the House of Lords and they were heading up the churches and the Masonic Order in Scotland and they were rectors of universities and they're remembered as great uh, figures of philanthropic activities within the city. This whole part of Glasgow owes its uh, existence to the lives of many black Africans and their ancestors. There's a lot of Scottish blood in Jamaica, which is still around now as part of the wider Scottish diaspora. And at one time I think there was over 10,000 Scots in Jamaica. And it's just amazing when you go into any site online and start to research it, these uh, merchants from Glasgow are mentioned as great intellects uh, of the highest moral standing and interested in Spanish art and all sorts of wonderful things and when you I was reading Hansard just there on my phone this uh, Sir John Sterling Maxwell was an MP and reading some of the comments he made in Parliament and it was amazing how they spent a huge amount of time patting each other on the back about how wonderful each of them was as an orator, as a speech maker and how their intellect and their ability to speak for the people was, uh, was brilliant. So there we are, have it, linking the sign and the, the way into the park to the Commonwealth Games and slavery. I do wonder how people from Jamaica coming to Scotland and I wonder how the Scots, when they are involved in things like the Commonwealth Games, do they consider how Britain, Scotland, has managed to write a version of history using words like the Commonwealth in place of the Empire and the level of abuse that took place in the name of entrepreneurship and progress and I think it was in the 1930s the Empire Games were held in Bella Houston and the Commonwealth Games is what we now have which thankfully things have moved on but in saying that I was also reading online just sitting here that, that slavery is still a huge problem across the world and a number of the countries that are in the 10 uh, greatest offenders include countries like Nigeria 
which I believe they'll be coming to the Commonwealth Games as well, so slavery is still an issue, even in modern day times. So that's my uh, rant about uh, the dark side of Glasgow. But the park is now run by the city council, and there's various gardeners out just now doing some work on a Saturday afternoon. It's been a pretty grim day so far. It's been raining most of the morning, but the sky's beginning to clear. And I just thought I'd have a quick chat into the microphone to give you some idea of where I'm, where I'm at and what I'm doing. I'm now going to head back up to Stirling and hopefully avoid the shopping traffic. No doubt it'll get heavier bit later on this afternoon so that's uh, Maxwell Park in the south side of Glasgow So well so that's quite an unusual take on wandering around the park in Glasgow it really did uh, annoy me this whole thing about the demolition of the flats I didn't quite finalise my point about Kirkubri and other places but if you did destroy a community of four or five thousand people you would wipe away the the social fabric, the sociology of these people's lives, the storytelling and I just think it's right and proper those flats come down but I just do not think it's a it's not an entertainment event for the world to watch live and it's a really bizarre way of trying to communicate a political message about the regeneration of Glasgow. So I really do get annoyed by the lack of intellectual rigour that you get from many of our politicians. Not necessarily just at a local government level, at any level. Their uh, short-term personal gain comes before the need to have a really good think about some of these ideas. So... I know I probably OD'd on the whole uh, home thing, but, you know, it's, uh, well, enough said. Let's move on. On my way back, I thought I'd uh, lighten up a little bit, and here's a little bit of audio from a typical Saturday afternoon for me over many years in Glasgow, and I've spent probably eight or nine years living in England over various times in my life, and this is one of these things that I always missed because the further south you go in England the more the more that Radio Scotland fades out whether it's on medium wave or FM well FM dies the death pretty quickly but even on medium wave and if you're Scottish male or perhaps female but you're certainly if you're an Anglo-Scot or you've lived in Scotland you're abroad you'll appreciate this little bit of uh, pastime which is listening to the football on a Saturday afternoon Now this is another pastime in Glasgow is listening to the football on a Saturday afternoon on the radio I suppose it's still mainly guys that listen to football but uh, when I used to go to football not so long ago I was impressed by the increasing numbers of families and women who were attending football but it's been a big part of my life on a Saturday uh, 3 o'clock kickoffs listening to the football on the radio and over the years because of the television deals we now have football on at all sorts of funny times games on from 
lunchtime, and the programme usually runs for you know at least four or five hours on Saturday. So this is uh, open all mics in Radio Scotland. It's a very common pastime if you've ever been in Scotland or you're Scottish. I'm sure you recognise this hobby straight away. So I'm on the M80 heading up the, the road to Stirling and it's the rain's back on. That constant drizzle. People get their side lights on. But I've managed to miss any football traffic or any shoppers on their way back from their Saturday ritual. So, open all mics on the radio football. I'm sure that'll switch a few of you off. <laughs> Or click the wee fast forward icon on your phone and uh, you can jump, is it 15 seconds at a time or 30 seconds at a time? So, just thought I'd give you a wee taster of footy on the radio, uh, Scotland style. So finally, let's talk about Culloden. As I said earlier in the podcast, the anniversary of the battle is due in the next week to 10 days. But there's a real controversy in full swing around a planning application for 16 new houses, which are planned to be developed on the battle site, or if you have a different argument adjacent to the battle site. And I mention it because... I've been to Clodden probably two or three times, although not recently, and it's the it's the single most important battlefield in Scotland, if not the UK. And there's this application which was originally opposed by the uh, council as well as local people, and the developer took it to appeal, and it subsequently ended up at the Scottish level at the reporters' department for final consideration and that decision has been decided in the last few days and the planning application has been upheld. Now I said in last week's episode about the referendum about how social media is enabling people to challenge the politicians, the government organisations and the bureaucracy that's attached. Now I really do think in Scotland we need radical reform of our planning process and radical reform of our land ownership. So land reform and planning, I think, are really important. But getting back to the detail of Culloden, we have a situation where just on social media alone, over 16,500 people have voiced their concerns about this development on the edge or on the battlefield at Culloden. And it now rests, now that the reporter has made his decision, with the Scottish Government. There's a possibility, although I haven't managed to get the uh, legal position fully uh, sorted in my own head, and I haven't managed to see the reporter's report to hear what the rationale behind his or her decision was, but I think it's either down to ministers at the Scottish Parliament to pull this decision in for reconsideration, or more likely it's going to have to go to the Court of Session. 
but there's at least 16,500 people opposed to this development on the Clodden battlefield. And it's the application itself, which has really upset people, but also the reality that it could be the thin edge of the wedge. I think there's already another couple of applications pending, which impose to a lesser or even greater extent on the battlefield as the one which is contended at the moment. So it's a really important uh, topic and it's one which people who support or oppose the development, I should say, are really passionate about. So I wanted to bring it to your attention as a listener and direct you to both their Facebook group and their website where you can make your own informed decision about the merits of the planning application. So if you're interested in looking at the whole controversy around Culloden, the Facebook group, I think it's called Group to Stop the Development at Culloden. So go on to Facebook and type that into the search box and you'll find a fantastic group of people who have a full set of documents available for you to consider and they'll keep you up to date with the rationale or reasons why they oppose the development of housing on the site and all of the sporting evidence as to why it's wrong. But I also think it's, as I said before, it's the fact that it could be one of many applications that uh, try to impinge upon that particular area, which shouldn't be subject to just local planning consideration. It's a national, international site, and it's one which needs to be protected. So as well as the group to stop the development at Culloden. They have their own website, which is which is at uh, stopcolodendevelopment.weebly.com. So that's stopcolodendevelopment.weebly.com. So if you're part of the wider Scottish diaspora across the world, which uh, reaches into the millions, then please just spend five or ten minutes on your own personal research and have a look at the arguments for and against the development of housing. Now, I could I could probably uh, be in a bit of a dilemma if there was a development of absolute importance or perhaps a, an archaeological dig that uh, potentially conflicted with the existing battlefield. But for me, private housing is, you know, it's rife across Scotland. And the irony is that the Highlands with the exception of the boom town, the city of Inverness, there are vast areas of land where we could develop decent housing for local people. And when you get a farm and a, a sale, which is all about property speculation, and you get the the Quango, which is Scottish uh, Historic Scotland story, which is part of the... Scottish Government infrastructure uh, agreeing the application without proper due diligence and you get the National Trust of Scotland which is a charity opposing it then you know this whole topic needs proper uh, deliberation and real genuine scrutiny and one of the real sad parts of the whole tale is that the scrutiny hasn't been rigorous enough so as I say, 16,500 people 
have been up in arms. And I think if the message gets out on social media, as it is doing now and through my tiny little effort on this podcast, that number will continue to grow. And you personally can go on to either of the two sites I've mentioned and follow links to the petition and put your name to it. So whilst history is important, I think that uh, places like Culloden, unless they're protected, will be compromised by short-term, non-historical interests like housing development. So I really did want to raise that as a topic. I was hoping to do it last week and I got uh, bogged down in the referendum debate. So please, please have a look at the Culloden controversy as it stands just now. And if you can do anything in your power to... uh, put your point of view across, particularly to the politicians in the Scottish Parliament, or even just sign the petition against the planning application, and if possible join the Facebook group, then that would really be appreciated. Okay, that's my episode for this week. As I say, it's a bit of a dolly mixture of audio, and I'm really keen to be off next week. I really am uh, committed to getting off in the van. It's my birthday next week and it's springtime. I am. And I'm absolutely convinced. I always get away on my birthday. It's uh, an absolute must. So I'm hoping to be off in the van and I've got uh, a couple of leads or cables that I'm missing for my Skype interviews that I'll have organised for next week and beyond. So there will be these voices I keep promising coming onto the podcast. So in the meantime, if you want to track Passing Places, get onto my own Facebook group, the Passing Places podcast group, or go on to bonnytours.com and uh, leave a message there. And one of the things I'd like to just say is my reviews on iTunes. It would be lovely if one of you, two of you, any of you could leave an iTunes review if you're an Apple fan and you've got an iPhone, if you live in the Apple ecosystem, uh, please, please, please leave a a review on iTunes. It really does help the podcast get discovered by new people. So uh, that's me getting hoarse from my uh, half hour on the microphone and I'll be back with you next week. And as I always say when I finish, I hope if you're visiting Scotland this year or soon that I meet you somewhere on your travels. And in the meantime, stay safe. Uh, and I'll play out with Mary Green's music, our composition, Passing Places. Thank you. <laughs>